Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is best practices for managers and delegation practices. Such a critical topic. I'm thrilled to have Taylor Stork with us. Taylor is Chief Operating Officer for Developers Mortgage Company. Prior to that, Taylor was with Home American Lending, Bank of America, and a series of some other lenders. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well. So, Taylor, I have to start off before we go on our topic to talk about how you got into mortgage banking. Oh, man. Like so many people, I got into it completely by accident. I was a... So, I grew up in Southern California, and I went to college and got a degree in finance, thinking that one day I would land on Wall Street and become some kind of titan of financial industry. I did not end up on Wall Street, and I did not become that titan. I think that as I was getting close to graduating, I didn't have a great plan for what I was going to do next. And my sister had been in the mortgage business. She had groomed up someone uh, who then became a manager, and that manager had kept an eye on me. And when I came of age to exit college and, and, and enter the working force, that manager grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and yanked me into mortgages. Wow. So is your sister still in the industry? Sort of. She's actually the chief executive officer for the Virginia Association of Realtors today. Oh, okay. What a small world for sure. So talk about your chief operating officer and what challenges you face today. Well, you know, the the job that I have, it's kind of jack of all trades, master of, I don't know, maybe one or two, probably not. What I am faced with is a myriad of challenges from, from every different angle. And I think that's probably true for many, many, many people that are in smaller to mid-sized companies. We tend to wear many different hats, often regardless of what your job title is. For me personally right now, it's kind of a combination of balancing challenges within the workflow, uh, scarcity of, of qualified workers, particularly in the credit and operations space. You know, we're, we're watching a very unique interest rate environment, which is, which is destined to change pretty soon. And so we're doing things within our space to prepare for a rising interest rate environment where I believe we will experience a greater degree of margin compression than we've had in any time recently and a greater degree of competition than we've had any time recently, specifically over, over the remaining purchase businesses, refinances begin to, to falter. So a lot of the work I'm doing is really foundational work to try to prepare my organization to be successful in a different business environment than we're in today. Well, that's a challenge unto itself, which leads to my next question, which is what surprises you about this year? The, the surprises are unique to this model. The scarcity of qualified em employee workers is probably the biggest surprise. It is so hard to find, harder than ever, to find great underwriters and, and other positions within, within the workflow. Historically, our focus has always been trying to recruit loan officers and, and salespeople and sales management and sales leadership. And, and it's, it's a unique period of time that our focus has completely shifted. And not just us. I mean, this is, this is every, every company out there. Our, our focus has completely shifted towards the 
the work towards the workflow and the staff that actually support the workflow itself. Right. So the scarcity is not with loan officers. It's with qualified processors and underwriters and closers. And that's an interesting dynamic. Well, it's interesting you say that because I would agree with you 100 percent, because certainly what we saw from a training perspective, we have been training so many production sales support, including processors and closers, that you're exactly right, that there is uh, a lack of experience have actually all been attracted and recruited. And then the, a lot of companies have had to bring in new people. So I agree with you 100 percent on that. So how do you stay on top of all the changes within more? Mortgage banking, that's a topic unto itself. That is a great question. I actually leverage social media and I leverage, I leverage the MBA and I leverage the CHLA. I stay focused on, I get a ton of email on various different news publications. There, there are a couple of influencers that I follow online to listen to what they're talking about. Dave Stevens is a, is a key one. Scott Olson is another one. Both are on the leading edge of what's taking place kind of in the regulatory space. I'm very, very, I'm keeping a very close eye on what's happening with FHFA and Fannie and Freddie, the GSEs. There are some major seismic changes uh, that are happening to the industry right now that I think some of the leaders are aware of, some of the industry leaders and company owners and executives, but I'm not sure that the changes have really been digested by the, the industry as a whole. We're watching massive changes to the way Fannie Mae and F Freddie Mac operate and what they will do that are going to have far-reaching implications on home ownership and on the value of real estate. It's just, it's surprising to me how quiet things have been in that space. But the, the best way to stay on top of that stuff is to, for me, is to, to follow key influencers that, that, are, that are watching it and participating. That's a really good point. And you really raise the traditional question of what's going to happen with the agencies. <laughs> it's always the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's not just what's going to happen with them. It's, it's also what's happening within them. They are, they, are, they are fundamentally changing how they do business. And they're doing it over, you know, they're doing it quickly and quietly. So it's, it's something that's going to impact all of us that we have to keep our eye on. That's a great point. Well, let's get into the topic, our main topic today of talking about delegation. You had a great story that you were telling me the other day. Why don't you talk about best practices in delegation, how to do it well? So I, I had an interesting last year and a half or so, and, and not a lot of people know this. My close friends know, and, and I've talked about it a little bit on, on social media, but I, I haven't made too big of a deal of, about it. Toward the end of 2019, I had a retinal tear and detachment in my right eye, uh, which is an emergency and, and can lead to permanent loss of sight. Fortunately for me, by the way, it did not, that's not where it led. But I had a detachment, which basically means that the film screen that your eyeball projects images onto tore away from the actual wall of my eye. And the surgery and then the recovery process for that is kind of complicated. And recovery itself takes, you know, I don't know, three months or so, anywhere from six weeks to three months, depending on your scenario. And most people come through it just fine and their, their vision is, is none the worse for it after the fact. My challenge, my situation was a little unique because not only was my vision obstructed on my right eye during about a three-month period of time, shortly after that, my left eye tore. 
And my left eye actually had a series of tears. It, it, it tore in total three different times. And each one was successively worse, right? So, and, and more complicated. And of course, this all happened during, during COVID when a lot of services were closed, when you couldn't get, you know, visits to a, a, an eye doctor for a pair of glasses, you couldn't even order a pair of glasses. So I, I went through about a 12 to 15 month period of time where my vision was partially and sometimes entirely obstructed. And, and having, having no vision when most of the work you do on, in your business is, is on a computer screen, whether it's reviewing reports or responding to emails or you know, looking at dashboards, that, that can be a challenge in and of itself. And it, it forced me to relook at what I do and how I do it each day. I think that a lot of people in our business tend to be doers. You know, I think that a lot of people are entrepreneurial. I think that a lot of us are the kind of people that just grab a hold of a problem and, and sink our teeth into it and solve it and power through it and move on to the next one. And that entrepreneurial spirit is probably a lot of what draws people into this mortgage business in the first place, instead of going to work in some of the you know, some of the more traditional monoline business models. But when, when you suddenly can't see things or you can't see things well, that can be a challenge. So it really forced me to begin to delegate my, not just my work, not only my tasks, but my, my ownership of various objectives in a, in a different and more meaningful way. And, and it forced me to um, have to, to, to really raise the level of trust and dependency and accountability with some of the people that I work with uh, to, help, to help make sure that everything that needed to get done that I was responsible for was still getting done. Wow. So what would you say that we, from a practical standpoint, Tyler, that would be things that you did differently than you did before? You know, Pat, most people think about the word delegate or delegation. You know, they think about like handing off a task right? Delegate, delegate, delegate. Get, that basically means I should tell somebody else to do my work. And I don't see it that way. There's been a million books. There's been a million management courses. This is a time-tested conversation. But I, I, think that, I think that even with all of that, most of us still fall into the old traps, which is take a task, hand it off to somebody else, and hope that it gets finished. And I think that email in our world probably exacerbates that problem, right? Because more often than not, people find themselves, they get a task, they email it off to somebody else and they say, please do this. And then that's it. They, they may or may not ever follow back up on, on that email and find out that it, that it was done. I look at delegation a little bit differently. I don't look at it as telling someone else to do something. I think that delegation is a much more call it a holistic process. I think that it involves assigning responsibility, not work. And I, that was something that I really had to, to, to come to grips with because especially in our business, we all like to, we like to covet our responsibility, right? We like to hold on to it and hold it close to our best because, you know, we don't want to give anybody else our responsibility. That's our responsibility. It's like a thing we own. And a good, I believe for me, Good delegation is not simply saying, hey, do this thing for me. 
It's handing away authority and responsibility over the reason you need the thing done in the first place, right? So good delegation is saying, okay, this is the objective and handing off, not handing off, but um, redeploying the ownership of that, of that objective to another. I had to do that to a greater, to a greater level and I had to blind, I'm going to use the word casually, blindly trust in, in the process of handing it off. So what does that mean? It means that instead of handing off a task and saying, just do this thing, I really had to get comfortable with saying, okay, I need this entire process completed. So I'm going to give you ownership of this entire process. Doing that can be complicated, right? So we all have this bad habit. And, and I talk about this with my teams and with my, with my counterparts and my, and my employees. We all have this bad habit of trying to do things that are faster and easier to do ourselves than if we give them to somebody else. And, and I, I catch myself doing it every day. I catch others doing it every day. It's faster and easier for me to do it than to train somebody else on how to do it. And I use that as a test for whether or not something should be delegated. If it's, if it's easier for you to do it than somebody else, that's probably the thing that you should be training somebody else on how to do in the first place. So we all have this habit of taking tasks that we find are faster and easier for us to do and doing them rather than training and lifting up a different person, a different employee, a different worker to do those tasks and then giving them ownership over those tasks. Why? Well, I would argue that if it's faster and easier for us to do it, that means we're comfortable doing it. It's something, those, those items are often things that are on the lower level of importance. They're things that we've mastered. They're things that we can do quickly and easily. They're things that feel really good on a checklist that we can check off during the day and feel like we were, you know, like we were functional and, and productive for the day. Those tasks are usually the things that we should be delegating out to other people. And not just the tasks but responsibility for the entire thing that the task is supposed to complete, right? So your tasks usually add together to complete some objective. And it's the objective that ultimately we care about, that we ultimately care about completing. So I try to challenge my managers and my team to identify the things that they do daily that are quick and easy and easier to do themselves than to hand off to somebody else, and then, and then determine and identify ways that they can train and teach other people to do those things. Because honestly, if you're not training your next level down staff on how to do your job, then, then you're really not growing an organization. All you're doing is being a worker bee. And every single person in the line of work needs to focus on how they can improve themselves as a knowledge worker instead of just accomplish more work. I had to do that to a, to a much greater degree when I was struggling with, with my eyesight. I had to do that because I quickly learned that I, just, I fundamentally couldn't do the tasks. I couldn't look at a computer. I couldn't review a spreadsheet. I couldn't read the emails. Uh, and I had the trust in others to do those things for me. Taylor, I wanted to ask a question. What was the reaction of the employee and how do you implement it now that you have your site back and how does that all work? 
there are so many great books about this. One book that I read a long time ago, it's an old book. Oh, it's a great book. It's The One Minute Manager. And another book that I've read that is really impactful is a book by a guy named David Allen called Getting Things Done. And if I could recommend two sources, two resources to anybody, it would be those two things. Because they both tackle this problem and they both tackle it in a real world, pragmatic way. So the answer to your question is, I was surprised that the employees wanted more authority and wanted more delegated to them. They don't generally just want tasks, right? They don't just want to be told, go do something. But what they do want is an opportunity to own the objective and then work through the tasks to complete the objective. And so that's what I tried to focus on is training on the tasks themselves, but handing over authority and responsibility for the end objective. And I think that that's really what good delegation is, or at least part of what good delegation is. We think historically that delegating is, hey, go do this thing for me. But really what delegating is, is saying, hey, you're responsible for this end goal. Now let's talk about how you're going to, how you're going to obtain and achieve that end goal. When you look at delegating as uh, assigning an end goal, it's a whole different process because it starts to be more about how you can coach and train and develop a person through the work to obtain to to actually achieve the end, achieve the end goal. You know, I I, I look at the I, when I'm when I'm training people on tasks and eventually on end goals. I try to I try to use kind of a hospital teaching method, which is you know show one, do one, teach one. I think I got that in the right order. So I'll show somebody what I do, and then I will have that person do the thing in front of me so I can observe, and then I'll actually have that person teach me what they just did or what they are doing as though I am the neophyte that has no idea, which is often true anyway, uh, as though I'm the neophyte that needs to be trained. And I find that that model of having somebody teach it back to you serves a purpose of kind of closing the loop. We all have a bad habit of handing off tasks and responsibilities and never really following up on them. In fact, that's the fundamental thesis within the One Minute Manager, which is when you delegate away work, whether it's a task or, a, or an objective or an entire responsibility, you still own what you've delegated away. Um, and and that's, that's where we really, that's where we as managers often falter. We still own the task or the objective or the project. Uh, we just own it through somebody else. And so a key component of properly delegating is actually following up to make sure that what got what was delegated off was actually accomplished and that it was accomplished properly and using the process of accomplishing that work as a teaching opportunity you can't just hand somebody a task and say go do this and then forget about them and then probably get upset when the task doesn't get done doesn't get done on time or doesn't get done the way you want it to you need to you need to hand it off train on it follow up on it, review it. In fact, Pat, I would argue that properly delegating anything is probably more work than doing it yourself 
But that doesn't negate the need to actually delegate those functions because that's how you develop people and organizations. So, Taylor, you shared a lot and time has flown by. So if you had to say two things that you would want our listeners to take away on this topic, what would that be? Follow up, follow up, follow up. And don't let email be the thing that trips you up. One thing that I always recommend people to do, especially when they're handing off, whether it's a task or a project or an objective, have your own personal follow-up system so that whether it's a day later or a week later or a month later, you circle back and close the loop on every single task that's done. It's critical that your employees know that whether it's your employee or your team member or your subordinate, whatever, it's critical that they know not just that you gave them that work, but also that you're interested in knowing whether or not they completed the work and how well it went, what the results were. You have to follow up on everything you, you give away. Otherwise, you're not delegating. You're, you're, you're just telling people to do stuff for you. Well, that's a great note to end on. Great, po great points, Taylor, that you're making. And thanks so much for sharing them. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And certainly, I appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks so much, Taylor. Thank you, Pat. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.